0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, Joe Biden picks a black supremacist to lead the DOJ Civil Rights Division. We'll see what could possibly go wrong with that. Also, five headlines, including Andrew Cuomo's Lockdown 180, plus another Democrat impeachment pageant. And Kamala Harris is being persecuted because of a magazine cover where she's wearing casual shoes. That and much more today on the Matt Wall Show. Well, what I... Take a second here to tell you about our friends at Legacy Box. You know, Legacy Box is a really easy, effortless way to digitally preserve your home movies and photos so that you never have to wonder where they are or, or whether they're safe. You don't have to worry about them getting ruined or anything like that. Uh, and you shouldn't wait. This is the kind of thing you shouldn't wait to do because if you've got all these memories stored in a box somewhere in the, the basement or the, the attic, uh, you don't know what could happen to them. And, uh, or you could lose them, they could be destroyed. Anything could happen. And that's why you want to get them digitized and you want to do it now. I've done it myself uh, and uh, you know I can tell you that the, the experience with Legacy Box is really, really easy on your end. Now, I wouldn't know if I wanted to, to take all these home movies and photographs, I want to digitize all of them, I wouldn't know how to do it. So instead I just put it in a box, I mail it to Legacy Box and then they mail it back to me and it's really that simple. With Legacy Box, you can have all that footage organized and preserved quickly and easily. The service is shockingly simple. You use their kit to safely send the moments that you want preserved. Their experienced team will create a digital collection by hand and then it'll all come back to you. Stored it on the the cloud, a thumb drive or DVD, along with the original media that you sent. We got it uh, back on a thumb drive and it was really just, I can't stress enough, just how easy it is to do. Uh, Even if you wanted to do this yourself, it would cost hundreds of dollars to do. And why do that? Because when you visit LegacyBox.com today, you'll save 50% off You can get started for as little as 39 bucks. So go to LegacyBox.com slash Walsh to take advantage of this limited time offer and get 50% off. This exclusive offer won't last long, so order their kit now and send it in whenever you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Walsh and save 50% while supplies last. So yesterday we played the clip of Joe Biden unveiling his plan to help struggling business owners in the wake of the lockdowns that have crippled them. Uh, in, In a sign of things to come, Biden says that his administration's priority will be black, Latino, Native American, and women business owners. In other words, white males are out of luck. So let's play that again in case you missed it. Here it is. Our focus will be on small businesses on Main Street that aren't wealthy and well-connected, that are facing real economic hardships through no fault of their own. Our priority will be black, Latino, Asian, and Native American-owned small businesses, women-owned businesses. And finally, having equal access to resources needed to reopen and rebuild. Now, as always with these things, if you want to understand just how outrageously racist it is, just play it back in your mind, but insert white male instead of black or Latino. Imagine if Joe Biden had said, our priority will be white males and white women. There would be a volcanic eruption of outrage in response to such a statement. Nearly every person in the country would condemn it as the height of racism. So... Is it different if you fill in the blank with a different race? No, of course not. The reaction is different. What people say about it is different, but it's not actually different. Um, Imagine also actually being a white male business owner. Some of you may not have to imagine this because you are. You're on the brink of bankruptcy, in desperate need of some help due to the government's own actions. And now imagine that you, you don't get the help you need because of your race and gender. Are you supposed to be okay with that? Are you supposed to look down at your white skin and say, well, all right, I guess I do deserve to lose my livelihood. At least the Latinos are getting help. I suppose that's how Biden expects them to react or perhaps not Biden. It's not clear that Biden expects anything. It's not clear that he knows what century he's in or planet he's on, but the radicals calling the shots for him do expect it. Speaking of radicals, Tucker Carlson had a disturbing segment last night about Kristen Clark. Clark has been tapped to lead the DOJ civil rights division This means that she'll be a very powerful figure in the administration. And given that she's in charge of enforcing quote unquote civil rights, it's important to know how she views the subject, right? Well, Tucker had uh, obtained a letter that Clark wrote back in 1994 when she was the president of the Black Studies Association at Harvard. Clark was looking to educate the public on the topic of race science. And if race science sounds like horrible quackery, if it sounds like something you might learn at medical school in Nazi Germany, that's because it is. So here's Tucker reading the letter. Listen.
1: Please use the following theories and observations to assist you in your search for truth regarding the genetic differences between blacks and whites. End quotes. So you know it's going to be interesting. And it was. Quote. One, Dr. Richard King reveals that the core of the human brain is the locus coruleus, which is a structure that is black because it contains large amounts of neuromelanin, which is essential for its operation. Two, black infants sit, crawl, and walk sooner than whites. Three, Carol Barnes notes that human mental processes are controlled by melanin, that same chemical which gives blacks their superior physical and mental abilities. Four, some scientists have revealed that most whites are unable to produce melanin because their pineal glands are often calcified or non-functioning. Pineal calcification rates with Africans are 5 to 15%, Asians 15 to 25%, and Europeans 60 to 80%. This is the chemical basis for the cultural differences between blacks and whites. And five, melanin endows blacks with greater mental, physical, and spiritual abilities, something which cannot be measured based on Eurocentric standards, end quote.
0: Oh, okay. That's science for you. Now, if this sounds familiar, and I heard this, and, uh, and I, I, the first thing I thought is, I, I feel like I've heard this recently.
2: Well, if you had the same thought, you might be thinking of this. Listen let's go to what it really is then when we talk about the power of melanated people when we talk mm-hmm. about who we really are as guys and understanding right. that our melanin is so power and it connects us in a way that the reason why they fear black the reason why they fear is because they the lack that they have of it so then when you see what you know dr uh, francis c wellesling talked about is that fear in that 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 uh, Just genetic that, annihilation efficiency mm-hmm. of when you have a person that has has the lack of pigment the right. lack of melanin right that they know that they will be annihilated so therefore however they got the power they 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 have the lack of compassion mm-hmm. that melanin comes with compassion melanin comes with soul that mm-hmm. we call it. we call it soul we soul brothers and sisters that's the melanin that connects right. so the people that don't have it have are are a li- and I'm, I'm going to say this carefully, <laughs> are a little less.
0: You said it carefully. They're a little less. The entire race of people, a little bit less. I always like, an, an, you know, we watch clips like that, and uh, when someone is babbling incoherently and somebody else is listening and going, right, yeah, sure, uh-huh, exactly, the entire time. So anyway, yes, the DOJ Civil Rights Division will be run by Nick Cannon, essentially, or at least someone as racist and insane and stupid as him. So a few things to be said about all this. Number one, it should go without saying, but the science here is not only wrong, but incoherent. It's not really science at all, but religious dogma. A belief that darker skin endows one, not only with mental and physical advantages, but with greater spiritual and moral worth. You know, white people are a little less, as the scholar Nick Cannon put it. That's not science at all, obviously. Number two, this sort of race essentialism makes for really strange bedfellows with gender non-essentialism which is increasingly the worldview of everybody on the left, both in the mainstream and off on the fringes. And the distinction between those two groups, leftist mainstream and leftist fringe, has, of course, been almost completely erased. At this point, a mainstream leftist is just a fringe leftist, but without the blue hair. In any case, the race essentialist says that races are biologically distinct, that every race has its own core essence. That's what you heard Nick Cannon and uh, Kristen Clark talking about. And that your race is immutable. It's an unchangeable part of you. But gender non-essentialism, on the other hand, says that sex has nothing to do with biology, that there is no core essence to being a man or a woman. That's why they can't answer my famous question of what is a woman. Well, a woman is nothing. although They don't want to say that. And they say, you know, you can switch between the two sexes or you can be neither or you can be some combination. You know, you could be a man on Tuesday and a woman on Wednesday. There's no reason why you can't be. In other words, they seek to make Nearly everything about you, nearly your whole identity, fluid and ambiguous, except your race. We are all basically these amorphous, genderless, nondescript puddles of nothing, but we do have a race, at least. And God forbid that an ambiguous white entity should pretend to be an ambiguous black entity. Never mind that it makes just as much sense for a white man to say, I feel like a black person, and so I am one, as it does for a man to say, I feel like I'm a woman, and so I am one. These statements are at least equal in their incoherence. If anything, the former is slightly less incoherent. Number three, notice how the cycle has been complete now. The leftist champions for racial equality, to include now even the, the, the woman who will be heading up the civil rights division, sound exactly like the proponents of Jim Crow in the early 20th century. Some races have greater spiritual and moral worth. That's exactly what racists have always said. And it's what people like Kristen Clark have pretended that they're fighting against. But in an outcome that is familiar in human history, they have become exactly what they said they wanted to destroy. They are so woke, so enlightened, so progressive that their views on race would would have been totally at home in Alabama in the year 1922. The only difference is which race they find superior, but that is a rather meaningless difference, really. The end goal with all of this is to divide and conquer right? For all the talk about unity, what we will see in the coming years is the American population divided, chopped up, segregated into their own categories, and policies will be applied and laws enforced differently depending on the category in which you reside. We are about to see the culmination of identity politics. We're going to see what it looks like when the sorts of people who've been burning our cities for months now have a whole government at their disposal. And old Joe will preside over this half-conscious, barely sentient, a useful stooge and figurehead, an inoffensive and sort of pitiful vessel for the most extreme radicalism we have ever seen from our government. That's what's coming up. But now let's get to our five headlines. Four or five headlines today. You know, we've told you many times about uh, our loyal sponsors at Rock Auto. And the reason for that is because it's it's just a, it's a great company, and a great service, uh, and you can't beat it. If you're looking for auto parts, it's so, there's, there's just no reason to go to the auto parts store when you can go to rockauto.com, so much easier than walking in, dealing with all the questions, uh, finding that they don't have what you need in, in, in stock. Instead, you go to rockauto.com where you're gonna get the lowest prices possible, they're not gonna change the prices based on, you know, what the market will bear or anything like that. They're gonna give you the lowest possible price, and so you know that. So you have that, that peace of mind, that confidence. When you're looking at it at Rock Auto, you don't have to think, well, could I find this cheaper somewhere else? Because you know, well, you found it on Rock Auto, so it's, it's, it's as cheap as it's gonna get. rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. Uh, very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts that may be available for your vehicle, and you can choose the brands, the specifications, the the prices that you prefer. It's really that simple. Go to rockauto.com. Right now, see all the parts available for your car truck. Write Walsh in there, how did you hear about us box, so that they know that we sent you. Well, you know, the the good news, though, is that uh, Warner Brothers has submitted uh, Wonder Woman 1984 for consideration for 15 Academy Awards, including Best Picture. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. Uh, apparently I've never watched either Wonder Woman movie. Apparently everyone hated this latest Wonder Woman movie. I guess it's, it's, they don't like it, uh, but they like the first one. I, I don't know. It's, it's just for me, you shouldn't be surprised when a movie called Wonder Woman isn't good. It's, it's a, it's a, right. It's she, she flies in an invisible jet and she has a magic lasso. Am I getting this right? And her name is Wonder Woman and you expected it to not be horrible. Is that what you expected? And, you know, of course, the, the unspoken truth here that, that nobody wants to say is that really all female superhero movies are terrible. I mean, they all really are. Uh, now, now I'm not saying they have to be, I'm not saying it's impossible to make a female superhero movie. That's good. It's just, they haven't done it yet. And part of the problem is that so often, you know, it's, it's, they're so in, they want us to be so impressed with the fact that it is a female superhero. And so that's, they're just driving that message home, the girl power thing. No, just make an interesting superhero movie and the superhero happens to be a woman. That's the way it should be. You don't need to beat us over the head with the girl power stuff every second. That's what they do. And um, that's why the movie isn't, isn't a good. In case you're wondering why Wonder Woman isn't good, it's because, again, it's it's Wonder Woman. What were you expecting? All right, number one, um, Governor Cuomo is singing a different tune, a radically different tune, um, all of a sudden. Although, maybe not, maybe we can't call it a coincidental because as we get closer to the Biden administration, now Governor Cuomo is uh, sounding very different. Here's what he said yesterday about the lockdowns. Listen We simply cannot stay closed until the vaccine hits critical mass. The cost is too high. We will have nothing left to open. We must reopen the economy, but we must do it smartly and safely. Also, we must energize our lagging private sector and rebuild our economic platform, our transportation system, our infrastructure system for the next generation of growth. I mean, this is really, I want to call it amazing. I know I shouldn't. Because I shouldn't be surprised. But now he says that. After months and months and months of this, and you've got thousands of business owners in that state alone, completely destroyed. And now he's saying, well, we can't just stay closed until there's a vaccine. Oh, really? Yes, that's what a lot of us have been saying for months. And up until just 15 seconds ago, and Andrew Cuomo would have said to the people who are saying what he just said, oh, they're science deniers, or they don't care, they don't care about grandma. I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, we're going to see a lot of that. We're going to see a lot of very sudden changes in the the coming weeks with respect to lockdowns. And, And part of the reason is that, you know, Democrat governor doesn't want a Democrat president to be presiding over economic collapse. When really you would hope that they just wouldn't want an economic collapse at all, but uh, that's not the way they look at these things. Okay, number two, um, Donald Trump just very recently spoke to the media. I believe this is the first time he's spoken to the media and he spoke briefly, but the first time since everything happened on Wednesday. And um, here is some of what he had to say.
1: I think that big tech is doing a horrible thing for our country and to our country. And I believe it's going to be a catastrophic mistake for them. Uh, They're dividing and divisive, and they're showing something that I've been predicting for a long time. I've been predicting it for a long time, and people didn't act on it. But I think big tech has made a terrible mistake and very, very bad for our country, and that's leading others to do the same thing. And it causes a lot of problems and a lot of danger. Uh, Big mistake. They shouldn't be doing it. But uh, there's always a counter move when they do that. I've never seen such anger as I see right now. And that's a terrible thing. Uh,
0: I'm sorry, but I just have no patience for this whatsoever. Trump says, I've been predicting they'll do this for a long time. Uh, I, I knew it was going to happen. Well, OK, well, then why don't you do anything about it? Why don't you or any of the Republicans do a damn thing about it? Do you predict? Oh, thanks for predicting it. Nice job, Nostradamus. But what? Did did you do anything? The the Republicans controlled the entire government for two years. Didn't do a damn thing. And that's the honest truth of the matter. Didn't do a damn thing. I'm sorry, they passed tax cuts. So they did do that. So we got some tax cuts. What else did they do? I'm thinking back to it now. They, they control the government for two years. What else did they do? They pack some, they passed some taxes. Oh, and they, they confirmed judges. That's what I always hear. Well, they confirmed judges. Of course they did that. The, the vacancies were open. they filled them. Well, that, That's like bare that's the barest of bare minimums. Obviously you're going to do that. What are they going to do? Not fill the vacancies? You know we don't give Republicans credit for just filling a vacancy when it's there. That takes zero effort. Of of the things that would have taken some kind of effort, the things they actually had to fight for and do, what if that was actually done? Now, to rein in big tech, that would have been a difficult, major undertaking. They didn't even try. The thing with Republicans is they try to do things when they know it can't be done anymore. So they wait until they're out of power, and then they start saying, we need to do this and that because they know they can't do it. So there's no pressure. It's the same thing they did with defunding Planned Parenthood. Up until the moment when they actually controlled the government, up until that moment, so many Republicans were saying, we gotta defund Planned Parenthood, it's gotta be defunded. I would go to the rallies and you know some of these lawmakers would show up and they would give great speeches about how we need to defund Planned Parenthood. Videos came out a few years ago showing that Planned Parenthood is selling baby parts. It's kind of a big deal. A lot of Republicans said, we got to defund it. It's just at the time, they didn't have the the, the power to do it. So they said, you know, geez, I'd love to defund it, but uh, we just don't have the power. I'd, I'd love to. I really wish we could. Darn it. And then what did we say? We said, okay, we'll give you the power. Here it is. Here's all the power. And they said, Planned Parenthood, what's that? I never heard of it. What are you talking about? Now, we'll get to that in a second. I got, I got, we got these tax cuts we got to pass. Didn't even try. When it comes to the funding plan? parenthood didn't even try. And so now Trump says, uh, we gotta uh, well, for every move, there's a counter move. Really? What's your counter move? You're you're out of office in a week and a half. You have no power right now. And so we're waiting for the counter move. I'm just I'm, I'm and I'm tired of this too from conservatives. Is you know, it's, it's sitting to trust the plan and I mean, some of that is the wacky Q stuff about, as they say, trust the plan. But but th- th- there's there's an attitude of that e- even outside of Q where conservatives say, well, I'm, I'm sure it's all going to work out. There's there's a plan behind the scenes. And uh, yeah, they, they've got it. Tr- trust us. They're going to do it. Nope. No plan. Trump's going to be out of office in a, in a week and a half. Uh, Republicans will be in the minority. And there was no plan. Nothing was happening. The plan all along was to do nothing and just bide their time. That was the plan. But I'm glad that Trump predicted it anyway. That's good to know. We could take solace in that, that it was all predicted. Uh, number three, here's, uh, here's something new for a change. Another new thing. Turns out the media thinks that Trump is literally Hitler. That's a new spin. You don't hear this very often. Pretty interesting. Let's, uh, let's take a listen. Your history, uh, much better than I do, but during the rise of, of Hitler... Uh, you ha- and yeah, by the way, we can draw the analogies. Uh, as far as we can, we can talk about this being 1933. Uh, w- we can do that. <laughs> um, a lot of businesses, a lot of German corporations saw Hitler as a clown. They backed him, uh, because they thought he was going to be a bulwark against communism, against the rise of communism across Europe, socialism. We've seen a lot of businesses, a lot of CEOs, a lot of the world's richest people, a lot of America's richest people back Donald Trump uh, and back him
1: because it was good for their bottom line.
0: So the only reason, I want to play, a couple, couple of points I wanted to make, the only reason I'm playing that. Um, it, it, first of all, we should understand that 90% of historical analogies that are offered in the context of political arguments these days are BS, 90%. Granted, I'm just pulling that number out of thin air, but I I think we could agree it's probably around 90%, if not more, if not like 99%. And the other problem with the historical analogies, uh, it's kind of like the left when they're making literary references. Every literary reference is to Harry Potter because that's the only book they've read. And so World War II and, 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 and Hitler, this, this, this is the only historical event and historical person that they're sort of vaguely familiar with, and so every comparison has to go back to Hitler and World War II. That's that's all they've got. But by this logic, that uh, that uh, what he's talking about there um, that well the, the corporations back Donald Trump and just like the corporations and the rich people backed Hitler, you see. That's false on pretty much every level because, number one, the corporations don't back Donald Trump. They hate him. But by this same logic, then I guess Black Lives Matter are Nazis, by this same logic. I mean, they're the real Nazis, right? Because they're backed by by all the corporations. All the corporations have come out and and given their their oaths of of, of fealty to, um, to Black Lives Matter. So I guess there you go. There's the comparison, pretty easy to do. Or we could all you know, pick up a book and read about a historical per- period, some, just any other historical period, that's my challenge to everybody. Reading history is great, but just read about some other so, so we can at least start getting some more interesting and maybe illuminating analogies. Okay, number four, huge controversy here, reporting from the Daily Wire, President-elect Kamala Harris is waging what is likely the first public battle of her tenure And it's against Vogue magazine. According to New York Times, Harris and her team are at odds with the High Fashion Magazine's editorial team over the decision to select a casual photo of the vice president-elect for their next magazine cover instead of a more formal photo that they feel casts Harris in a better, more professional light. New York Times reports, quote, February's issue issue features Miss, uh, Miss Harris in a dark jacket by Donald Deal, skinny pants, Converse, and her trademark pearls. She stands against a leaf green backdrop bisected by a spill of pink curtain, colors meant to invoke or evoke her Howard University sorority. She's also wearing a pair of Converse sneakers and appears to be caught off guard by the camera. Um, Social media critics who slammed the photo called it disrespectful. And then there's just a whole bunch of leftists complaining that the photo is disrespectful. I think the real disrespect is to the curtain. what What are you doing standing on somebody's curtain in the first place? Granted, the curtain's a little bit long, longer than it should be, but there's no reason to stand on it. What, what I don't understand is, uh, she was—is this photoshopped? Like, did she not really wear those shoes, and they they photoshopped the shoes onto her? If so, then I understand complaining about it. But from from what, from at least as far as I know, with photo shoots, normally, you you know you you put on the clothes yourself, and then you go and you pose for the photograph. So, if she didn't want that photo to be taken, then why did she pose like that? But get, we're, there's going to be a lot of this kind of thing. So just get ready for this uh, in the years ahead. There's going to be a lot of you know, people accused of not showing the right level of respect to kamala Harris, the vice president. Nobody's ever cared about respecting a vice president before, uh, especially not the one we have in office right now. But now it's going to be, this is like royalty. How dare you? Uh, essentially the way the media treated Michelle Obama, that's the way it's going to be now with Kamala Harris, where, where it, when you speak her name, it must be in hushed tones of solemn reverence. When you speak her name, you must bow your head for, for three seconds just to acknowledge her, her gloriousness. That's the way it was with Michelle Obama. And of course, we were always told that, no, 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 its that we're not favoring Michelle Obama. It's just the first lady. We should respect the first lady. And then we get Melania Trump in there, and and uh, they, you know, they're 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 publishing secret tapes recorded of her by her friend, just to embarrass her. So that's the level of respect there. All right, number five. Um, there's an interesting article in Vice that I'm not even sure if I can read, given that this is a family show. I'm already regretting somewhat my decision to pull this up, but. It's not really a family show. Don't let your kids watch the show. In fact, don't do that. That's a on second thought. Don't, especially not this part. So a hacker took control of people's. This is from a vice. I'm reading now from vice. It says a hacker took control of people's internet connected chastity cages and demanded a ransom to be paid in Bitcoin to unlock it. The hacker said, quote, your penis is mine now, according to one of the victims according to a screenshot of the conversation obtained by a security researcher that goes by the name Smelly and is the founder of VX Underground, a website that collects, that collects malware samples. Okay, In October of last year, security researchers found that the manufacturer of an Internet of Things chastity cage, which is a sex toy that users put around their privates um, and is used in the BDSM community and can be unlocked remotely. But this had left an API exposed, giving malicious hackers a chance to take control of the devices. That's exactly what happened. According to a security researcher who obtained screenshots of conversations between the hacker and several victims, uh, a victim who asked to be identified only as Robert said that he received a message from a hacker demanding a payment of 0.02 Bitcoin, around $750 today, to unlock the device. He he realized his cage was definitely locked and he could not gain access to it. Okay. Let me just stop the story there, um, and say wh- what? Why would you? I, you know what? Never mind. I'm, I'm sorry I brought this up. There's nothing I can say about this. I have I have so many questions. I have so many questions right now about about this and, and why this exists and what you're doing with it. Why would you have something like that at all in the first place? And if you do have it, why wouldn't there be some sort of manual kill switch in case someone does gain access? But so many questions that I I can't dwell on here, and I certainly can't Google them. And so now they're just in my mind, and I have to carry them with me. I have to carry this mystery with me for the rest of my life, and you do too. So you're welcome. You know, the question comes up a lot now. uh, What are we going to do as conservatives in the years ahead uh, when it, sometimes it can feel like everything's stacked against us and all the most powerful voices in the culture is, are, are against us. And, you know, that there's, there's certainly a lot of truth to that. Well, here's one thing we can do, which is sort of stick together and support grassroots organizations that align with our values as conservatives. That's one thing we should certainly be doing, uh, regardless of what else is happening in the country and in the world. And here's one to, to, uh, to consider. Serve HQ. Serve HQ is a six-year-old company that helps churches and nonprofits train and equip their volunteers to serve their communities. They offer two online tools, one for training and one for communication, that thousands of churches and nonprofits have used. First, their training tool lets you build simple online courses for your volunteers and staff with uh, video-based training, follow-up quizzes, automated step-by-step onboarding, which is also included in the package. They have a library of over 800 pre-created training videos that you can use right away with zero preparation. And second, their online communication tool helps big, helps, helps big and smaller teams with texting, email, chat, all in one place. So it's just making it a lot easier for you and your team. It includes uh, mobile apps for iPhone, iPhone and Android and it's designed to replace all the different communication tools that you might use for chat, internal email newsletters, text blasts, all that kind of stuff. It's a central hub for communication with volunteers, parents, and even students because it has safety and accountability baked into design. Their website is servehq.church. And again, this is, this is an organization that, that is working for us in the culture, so we should support them. ServeHQ is offering a new year special for any organization that signs up during the month of January. Use code Walsh to get 10% off for life during this month only. So during this month, 10% off for life. Churches and nonprofits can train volunteers, teach core principles, communicate with teams and individuals, and automate recurring or multi-step tasks. So go to servehq.church to learn more and to start your 14-day free trial now. Use code Walsh to get 10% off for life. And um, listen, what we've been talking about this week, uh, what we've been facing uh, for, for years now, and it's just gotten a lot worse and ramped up, has been this attack uh, on conservatives by big tech. Um, and with the actions of big tech in the last week, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty clear that they're not gonna stop. It's only gonna get worse, which, which just you know gives some more fuel for our fire here at The Daily Wire. Um, and, and it lets us know that we need to continue with our already ambitious plans that we've got for the new year. Uh, we're talking about investigative news and entertainment content, lots of new stuff, but we can't stop there. We have to take action to build or buy tech to protect ourselves from the attack that's coming so that we can continue to deliver new content to you and fight back. We're exploring all possibilities for this, new data centers, payment gateways, a lot more. Uh, the thing is though, you know this takes money. It's just the reality of the world. Uh, and so we need more support. We need your support. Uh, that's what we need. There are 50 million of you that we reach every single month that engage with our content. In the first phase, we need, we need about 1 million members to take on the fight. Now to put this in context, Washington Post has three million subscribers, New York Times has seven million. You go up to Netflix, they've got like 70 million or more. Um, if you think all these companies need a challenger, then and I think we could agree they do, then we need your membership. If you think your freedoms are at stake, then yet again we gotta we got to join together and part of that is joining the Daily wire. You can become a member at dailywire.com subscribe and tell all your friends to do this to do the same. Let's get to our daily cancellation. Well, if you watch this show, you know that I strive for cancellation equality. Um, I believe that all Americans have the right to be canceled, regardless of race, nation, or creed. As you know, I I don't even make exceptions for my own wife and children. Basically, the daily cancellation is a time to focus on everybody's sins and foibles, except for my own, of course. This is not just a time for mocking the left, is what I'm trying to say. That's what the rest of the show is for. And the daily cancellation, like 85% of the time. This, though, is one of the 15%. And that is why we are canceling Trump, Trump campaign national press secretary, Hogan Gidley. Now, the first thing to know about Hogan Gidley is that he has a name that sounds like somebody made it up on the spot when they were being questioned by the cops. Like, hey you, what's your name? My name? Uh, Hogan Gidley? I mean Ridley. No, Gidley, Hogan Gidley, yeah. And Hogan Gidley, if that's his real name, was on Fox News yesterday. And uh, here's what he said. Listen, with the social
1: media crackdown, does he feel emasculated, especially as he heads out of office? Look, I I wouldn't say emasculated. I mean, if, if the most masculine person I think to ever hold the White House is the president of the United States. But what he does see is a systematic attack against not just him, but against 75 million Americans who disagree with the socialist communist vision that Democrats have for this country.
0: Okay, now. Granted, the question was kind of dumb. Is he emasculated by being kicked off Twitter? Uh, And the answer is probably no. I I wouldn't consider that an emasculating move. If anything, it's emasculating to be on Twitter uh, as 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 I am. But still, uh, the the answer to that question cannot go uncanceled. I just, I cannot let that go. President Trump is the most masculine person to ever be president, Hogan Gidley says. Now, partly this goes back to the cancellation last week when we canceled political personality cults. It's a phenomenon to be found on both sides of the aisle, and it's equally grotesque in both. In Trump's case, there is no denying that some of his supporters and advocates take a slavish, obsequious approach to him, showing a degree of servile obsession that simply has no place in America, least of all on the right. Support politicians when they do stuff you like, criticize them when they do stuff you don't like. That's what our relationship with them should be in all cases, no matter the politician. But the second problem here is that it's historically inaccurate. And to my mind, it erases and otherizes Teddy Roosevelt, who actually holds the title for the most masculine president ever, without question. And this is with all due respect to Andrew Jackson, who killed a guy in a duel, once beat an attempted assassin with his cane guy came up and tried to kill him. He he beat him with his cane. George Washington also led us to victory in our war for independence. Uh, Grant, one of our greatest civil war generals, all very manly. Teddy Roosevelt, though, still stands out as the manliest, I think. Many pieces of evidence could be presented here. He was a cowboy, a war hero, a sheriff, a rock climber, a jungle explorer. This is all one dude, by the way. He's also a police commissioner, a big game hunter. And oh yeah, he he was president too. Basically, if you're a man, think back to childhood and all the things you wanted to be when you grew up. Roosevelt became all of those things, while many of us became none of them. In fact, true story, a couple days ago, I took my kids out to eat and we were sitting down at the restaurant. My, my, My kids were quizzing me about my childhood, I think partly because they don't quite believe that I had a childhood. And at one point, my son asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And and, uh, I told him that when I was a kid, you know, I wanted to be different things, but mainly either a cowboy, an explorer, or an astronaut. And my son thought for a minute, and then he said, wow, daddy, you didn't become any of the things you wanted to be. And all I could do was just nod and then weep silently into my plate of onion rings. Anyway, other fun facts. Roosevelt held boxing matches as president. When skinny dipping in the Potomac as president, helped to invent football as president. But I could almost put all those aside and give you just one detail about Roosevelt that I think seals the deal. You're probably familiar with the story, but here it is again. Um, before arriving for a campaign speech in 1912, Roosevelt was shot in the chest by an assassin on the way to the speech. Now, fortunately for him, he had his speech folded up in his breast pocket and also fortunate, he was very long-winded. So it was a long speech, it was like 50 pages. He had it all watered up, and the paper, along with his eyeglass case, slowed the bullet enough to save his life. But he went to give the speech anyway, with the bullet lodged in his chest. He began, and he began his speech, I think, with maybe the greatest opening line in the history of public speaking. He said, this was his opening line, friends, I shall ask you to be as quiet as possible. I don't know whether you fully understand that I have just been shot. That is a great opening. You know, I, I do a lot of public speaking, and uh and, you know, they always say with public speaking, it, it, it's really important to, to grab them with, with the opening line. And nothing can be better than, hey, everybody, I was just shot. Anyway, today I'm going to tell you about XYZ. But then he showed his bloody shirt and, uh, you know, he said that the bullet is in his chest. So he might have to cut the speech a little bit short. He still spoke for 84 minutes. And keep in mind, there was no, like, microphone. So he, was, he spoke for 84 minutes shouting to this crowded room with a bullet lodged in his chest. Can you imagine any modern politician reacting that way? With modern politicians, they would stub their toe on the way to the podium and demand to, you know, demand a, a medical evacuation because of it. So, Roosevelt was the manliest by far without context, the contest. And to top it all off, he had an exquisite mustache. Indeed, he was he was among the last of our presidents to have facial hair. And look at What has happened to our country ever since the baby-faced presidents took over? What does that tell you? And that is why Roosevelt is not canceled, but unfortunately, Hogan Gidley is canceled today. Uh, And that'll do it for us today on The Matt Wall Show. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Production manager, Pavel Vodowski. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And production assistant, McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. House Democrats try to impeach President Trump. Andrew Cuomo finally promises to open up New York. And Kamala graces the cover of Vogue. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.